0: Hello and welcome to Newsnight. I am Ladi Akkiridulwale. It's our pleasure to have you join us today. The process for the selection of candidates for political offices in Nigeria has now been completed, fingers crossed, and the process of explaining what their plans for the country are has started. My guest, who is one of them, says one of his first acts upon being elected as president is to send legislation to make it law that all political office holders must have their family members attend public schools, use public health facilities, and travel exclusively by road domestically within the country. Newsnight talks to the presidential candidate of the African Democratic Congress, ADC, Mr. Dumebi Kachiku. Mr. Kachiku, thank you for your time. Welcome to the program. Thank you for having me. Let's look at the structure that your party has. And quite a number of people would say, it's a new party. Uh, maybe not so new, mm-hmm. but newer definitely than these other parties. And that, as you've pointed out, you start off with the disadvantage of money. Creating visibility, creating awareness costs money. So how are you going to do that, considering that you've got about eight, nine months, uh, or, or thereabouts, roughly, to the election within which to create this uh, and perhaps in an economy where things are really tough, that's going to be difficult to do. How, how, do, how, do, you, how do you as a party and as a candidate intend to go about that?
1: Okay, uh, the ADC is about 17 or 18 years old. So it's not really a new party. Um, outside of the APC and PDP, the ADC is the third largest party with structures across the country, okay? So I'm running on the platform of a party that's actually big, okay? Beyond that, um, we have eight months. I am running on the platform of a party that's trying to bring about a social revolution, a social revolution that we're trying to get Nigerians to key in and is built on the disaffection of Nigerians with the government of the day. Um, So money plays a key role, but We've never had a time like this in Nigeria where people are disenchanted, people are upset, people are looking for anything outside of the status quo. They want something that appears to them to be a real solution to repairing Nigeria. That's where my candidature comes into play. And there are several good people in the other parties, okay. A lot of people feel that we have to have a coalition to be able to take out this government. But I I don't necessarily think so. I think the talk of a coalition will come down the line as we get closer to the election when people are able to uh, assess their strength, assess the way the electorate looks at the different parties. But what is key right now for the parties is to be able to come up with a message that resonates with the electorate. The election is not so much about the parties right now. The world is watching. Nigerians are going to be on the ballot. It's not just the parties. Nigerians are going to be judging themselves because the world is watching to see that a people who have complained so bitterly for the last seven years, the world is watching what they are going to do. You've complained, you told the whole world that you're not happy, that this government has almost destroyed Nigeria. So the world is watching to see what you are going to do. You can see how people felt about what happened in their over the weekend. People have complained. You said, you're not happy with this government. Not, and I was in Ekiti last week. And I was so shocked to see the level of decay in that place, going from Ondo to Ekiti. the worst roads I've seen in my life. Those two states have granites, rocks everywhere. Ondo state has a bitumen belt, beautiful laterite. All oh, 95% of the ingredients to make the best roads, to make roads, those two states have no infrastructure whatsoever. Yet these people had the opportunity to take a different path. What did they do? They went for the money. They went for the money. So we see that hunger, poverty has been weaponized in Nigeria to use against the people. But the people, you've been hungry for four years. Whatever money they give you, at best is two days. They don't think that far. The child is, is hungry at home. Some people are more fed for two days and you're seeing 10000 naira; they go for that money. So we have eight months to tell the people, listen, it's just one day, two days. You've suffered. you suffered, you've endured this much. It's your money, take your money and vote for the party, for the individual who is likely to take Nigeria in a totally different direction. We have eight months to get this message to resonate, resonate with the people. Unfortunately, a lot of people believe that when you are running, that's The battle is just yours, that you are running for yourself, right? So they don't believe that they have to join in in this mission to rescue Nigeria. They believe it's it's you, you know, we're doing doing you a favor. Nigeria belongs to us all. I'm a Nigerian, you're a Nigerian. They are Nigerians. We are in a state of disrepair. We believe that if we are not careful that before December, we will disintegrate into pure and total anarchy Nigeria. So, but these people still believe, oh, it's your your election, we're doing you a favor. No, you're not doing me a favor. We're all trying to rescue Nigeria. We're all all in this sinking ship together. So we must all do everything necessary to rescue our country. And they bring money to you, take the money. It's your money, take the money, but do the right thing. I can't imagine four years, in 2023, four years of this governments or any such government, under four years, it's absolutely impossible. I can't imagine it. I've done seven years of my life, of my lifetime, under an APC government. I can't imagine doing this anymore. Nothing works, absolutely nothing. We all come every day, we are so abused, our minds are so abused that it's become tolerable. The abnormal has become normal to us. We see the abnormal every day. What other claims, other crimes? it's so abnormal that no, oh my gosh, we can't accept this. In Nigeria, it's normal. Every day. Look at the news yesterday. Several killed acro- across the country. Hardly makes news in most news organizations. 300 died in Nigeria doesn't make international news. Why? Local news doesn't report it. It's commonplace. How does killing, murder, sales of human parts become normal in any part of the world? But this is what we see as normal. This is what we have seen under this government. And then some Nigerians feel it's just my problem because I'm running for office. No, we have eight months to change this mindset. Mindset change, mindset shift is difficult. But we have this eight, nine months. And I must commend the media, um, this dispensation. They are doing a young man's job in giving quality airtime to parties like mine, to other parties, for all, for all of us to be on, on an equal footing, to advance our arguments, advance what we are about to get the electorate. But beyond that, beyond um, the candidates and the parties advancing these arguments, the media is the watchdog of any democracy. You best see every day what's happening in Nigeria. You must report it, but not just report it, report it consistently so our people don't get tired, so we don't get desensitized. We are all desensitized, most of us are desensitized. That's why, why when people die, oh, you know, it doesn't move us. But in other crimes, that's not the situation. In America, students were killed in a school over two weeks ago. Every, it's still news today. It's still news today. People were killed in our war. They were buried over the weekend. It's no longer news. 300 and something people were killed in Benue. It's no longer news. We had reports in, in Kaduna State of those who were killed a few days ago. It didn't even make news in most news organizations. This is wrong. We've lost our sense of outrage, our sense of morality. And we are now a nation of sinners in search of a saint. We're all sinners. The
0: the the way it seems now, which is what you've made reference to when you talked about the incidence of vote buying, we have moved because what used to be our problem was the violent snatching of ballot boxes, mm. people raiding uh, other people's supposed strongholds mm-hmm. and all of that. But people have said, well, why why would you need to go into all that? Uh, uh, difficulty when you can simply induce the voter. And you've talked about weaponizing poverty uh, as a means towards being able to do that. So the voter cannot really refuse the money. But you've gone one step further to say, take the money, but then go ahead and do what you would have done even if the money had not been offered to you.
1: Exactly.
0: How do you intend to get that message across? Because... Even in the last election, which is the AKT one, the Mm -hmm. off-season election, and in a couple of days we will be in Osho for another election, there doesn't seem to be anyone with a very clear plan towards stopping the vote-buying incident. So the vote-buying happens because you have um, um,
1: INEC, the security agencies, they are all complicit in this. They see this. They all saw what happened in AKT. But they're trying to adjust that election as fair and fair right but the media has a key role to play in this we must beyond reporting it on the day of the elections before the prior to the elections we must advocate we must let the people know what is at stake we must let them know what vote buying um, does and how it affects how it affects them and even if they have to take it because they are hungry that this is what they ought to do. Advocacy is key at a time like this. News organizations, editors, everyone has to come together and say, you know what, this is what we must do because we're all in Nigeria, we're all affected. I'm here right now, you guys are probably running on diesel. You know how much diesel costs today, right? So everyone, everyone's affected. So whatever we can do to ensure that we get the right party, the right candidate in place, we must do and the media is in poor position to do a lot in regards to this.
0: Let's, let's, let's now uh, uh, come down a bit to some of the brass tacks. You've, you've referenced what many would consider to be the top problem, mm. that of security. Yeah. Um, what's your party plan or your plan as a candidate towards tackling that? Because if you are to go on and win this election, uh, as uh, uh, as president, if you become president, without a doubt, that is likely to be the very first thing you are going to be confronted with. So, what w- what's your plan in to tackle that?
1: So, uh, as president of Nigeria, is security will seem to be front burner for everyone. But tell you what, every problem we're facing in Nigeria is. Um, Capable of bringing down the nation. They are all equally as important. But in regards to security, the biggest challenge we've had in the last, in this, with this government is the body language of the president. He's had a body language that suggests that he doesn't really care. He's allowed people coming through our borders, right? And these people have taken over our country. We've, we've left, left large swaths of land for them now that we now call ungoverned spaces. These people have taken over our farmland. They kill our people, they kidnap our people, they rape our women plunder our our farms and no one is doing anything. At some point they said, oh, people with AK-47, if you see people with AK-47, this is what you must do. Have you heard that anyone's been arrested? Nothing has happened. Our security agencies are totally overwhelmed. Multiple wars, different fronts, they're overwhelmed. And you have a scene, see, whose body language seems to suggest, these are my people, you know? So I've had personal experiences, you know, um, with my my mom's farm uh, in Delta State. What happened when, um, when um, uh, headsmen went in, destroyed the farm, took crops and everything. I report to the police and the DPO is like, you know, it's not interested. Report to the commission of police who says, DPO, what do you mean you're not interested? And they call the farm and the headsmen and they are saying, oh, we'll give you 34,000. I can't remember how much for crops worth millions of naira. And the poor woman is helpless because the police are, are, not, are not doing anything. They are not, they are not really interested. But tell you what, when the Kaduna incident happened, right, they bombed the train tracks. They started shooting indiscriminately into the, into the train. Those bullets didn't distinguish between Christian and Muslim, between Fulani, Idoma, Tiv, Igbo, or Yoruba. The bullets took out people, not minding where they were from. That's why we have to be careful. Our problem in Nigeria sh- should not be, um, security problems should not be um, distinguished or divided on the altar of religion or tribe. We have a serious problem where people have taken over our country. We must confront this problem as a united people. We must take these people on headlong. Every man, woman, who's able, who's willing to be conscripted into the army, into the, any of the security forces, should be. I will bring on at least 1 million people, conscript them. And I'll read this country of these people. We cannot watch and see these people. We have watched countries who watch these people take over their countries, and we'll see what happens to those countries. In Nigeria, we don't have enough men and resources at this point to confront these people, because they are all over Nigeria right now. They're not just at the borders. They are within our country. So you have men and women fighting in the northeast, on the, in the borders there. We have people in the northwest, we have people in, in Southeast, who have people in the southwest? So have men and women everywhere, widely dispersed areas. How are they coordinating all this with limited resources? A country that the economy has collapsed, that is broke. So you can see why these people are making headway into Nigeria. And they're making money. They kidnap people, people are paying $100 million, 50 million, 150 million. These guys have money, our military doesn't have money. So you can buy the most advanced weapons, but you still have an OPEX towards maintaining and operating those weapons. That's where we are lacking. And the process, the cumbersome process between approving of funds and getting the money to the to the military hierarchy is ridiculous. So we are really challenged, and the populace don't really understand what's going on. Nigeria is severely threatened. You need a CNC who, first of all, sees all Nigeria, all Nigerians as one. I won't distinguish. We are one nation. United under the green, white, green of our flag. We are one people. God didn't make, make a mistake bringing us under this, uh, this country, under the geographical space. you need a, a president who will love everyone as one, the same people. Defend everyone equally. Promote a, a platform for all to thrive in this country. If you see all as one, you defend all equally. We cannot no longer have a nation where people come and you kill someone, you walk away, your picture is right there, and then these people go away scot free. They've done it today. Someone else will do it tomorrow. But I'll avenge the life of all my men and women out there fighting for Nigeria. Honorable people. We don't care about these people because we see them as poor people. No Nigerian life should be taken with levity. No Nigerian life. Every Nigerian life is important. We must defend our people. We are not
0: doing that right now. There are quite a number of people who have pointed out that many of the security challenges, if not all of them, Uh, and indeed some of the other challenges Mm. which you referenced when you said security is one of them, uh, but all the others are equally important, that they can be traced to our economic situation, which you also referenced when Mm. you said Nigeria is broke. Mm. Um, As it stands now, the statistics are damning. Unemployment is extremely high. Mm. Underemployment is equally high. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a dearth of infrastructure, the youth in particular. most of our federal universities have been closed for most of this year 2022 and there's no indication as to when they will open there are quite a number of other things but if we just focus on the economic the outlook is a bit tough um what areas of those would be your priority to tackle uh uh, 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 to use the phrase where they say low-hanging fruit that you go after first before you now settle for the ones whose results are in 5, 10, maybe 20 years' time? Which would be the first?
1: Okay, so um, the economic outlook is damning all over the world, right? But more so in Nigeria, where we have an economic team that's pretty much doing nothing. Uh, They don't know. um, They are left from their right. We have a CBN governor who who was um, um, set to be running for office, or interested um, in running for office, and which affected us. The dollar today is... uh, is uh six hundred naira to a dollar to a six hundred naira to one to, um, dollar to uh, today. So uh, we have major challenges, but we're a nation that is blessed. The population that people see as a liability, as a disadvantage, is our greatest asset in Nigeria today. We have 40, 50 million youth who are unemployed, who can't be put to work. In Nigeria, if you look at the people who come. In through the borders from uh, Western, uh, Western Africa, the people who come to work here as maids or as drivers or as artisans in Nigeria, right? The amount of money those people make because we believe that they have good skill sets. So the people who are just doing from woodwork to POP to glasswork to metalwork, right? We've talked so, so many times about getting our polytechnics and, uh, and all these institutions back to work so we can start training our people in these skill sets that enable them to work immediately and so we can start exporting those skill set those skill sets within Africa also because those skill sets pay very well we're not doing that our polytechnics they don't even have workshops or tools to actually train these people we are not certifying these people properly so they're able to work so if you look at the quality of work men we have out there mediocre, right? So that's one low hanging fruit. With what happened with the pandemic, we knew, we all knew that countries will struggle with food. We all knew that. Nigeria's blessed with fertile land everywhere. We can feed the world. Can we feed the world when our farms are not secure? We can't do that. Can we feed the world when, when in a situation when, where our youths feel that farming is for the extremely poor? We can't do that. Tell you what, farmers are some of the richest people all over the world, except in Nigeria. We still talk of subsistence farming in Nigeria, whereas the world has moved into agripreneurship. The business of farming pays very well. We need to look into that, right? In order to get people to go into farming, we need to create an enabling environment, have farm parks, farm parks for farming, farm parks for processing. Uh, You know, we need to look at the value chain from from farm to fork, right? Because we are not stabilizing that, uh, that value chain. We're we not investing here. in the value chain. We're not invested in the value chain. But all the time, we Many hear billions have of naira that have been put into this so-called value chain. If religion, the money is really there, we will see it. We hear that tens right of millions have been employed in farming. Soybeans. Where? Experts say when when people are not economy farming economy. anymore. That's why food is very expensive in Nigeria. Okay, lay if farming right now. Do you know what people can do just if you have access to... Good broadband. I buy architectural services from all over the world, I don't even know where there are people in Vietnam, Thailand, America, anywhere. You have tons of architects here who can sell architectural services any part of the world. We're an English speaking nation, we can do, there's so much we can do having the internet as a platform. What's the cost of broadband in Nigeria? Compare the cost of broadband in Nigeria to the cost of broadband in other climes. And you will see how wicked we are to our people. In the year 2022, broadband is a right, it's not a privilege. We keep on talking about roads, um, um, uh, awarding contracts, roads, and bridges that lead to nowhere. Broadband is the highway of the future. How prepared are we to give our thriving youth the infrastructure they need to operate? whatever you are doing right now, even this just being in channels right now for you to be able to send your content to Abuja or talk, you need good broadband infrastructure. Do you know what the cost is? Do you know how much you pay for one transponder of satellite space? It's ridiculous. So if you have a government that has no clue or understanding of all these things, what can they really do? Take the ports In the last five, six months, instead of reducing the cost of imports, right? have increased the costs, the, the costs. This is the key to building the middle class. But you've increased the cost by 50%, 100% in some cases. How are you encouraging the young person who says I want to start a business? How are you encouraging that person? When cost of bringing a 20 foot container has gone from 1.5 to about 6 million naira, how? In, the, in a struggling economy? That's why you have this inflation. The government has no clue on what to do, so they keep on, you know, we need money, we need money, we need money. Other nations are cutting taxes. while
0: raising taxes. But all of this, of course, um, a lot of the money that would have otherwise uh, otherwise accrued goes into subsidies, and these subsidies are supposed to benefit the bottom part of the ladder or pyramid, if you like. Uh, So you have uh, government talking about subsidizing to some extent electricity subsidizing petroleum uh, as you and i sit here today uh we are hearing reports uh, preliminary as they are that you know scarcity is returned again uh in the in the nation's commercial capital and in parts of abuja and a couple of other places um so a lot of money is going to, uh, this year 2022 about 4 trillion naira is budgeted for subsidies um so one again is looking at that, we're still talking economic mm. uh, as something you will have to tackle because if you remove that, it has its costs, social and otherwise. Um, so how do you, people have tried it, but it's proven to be a minefield. So how do you plan to do that? So
1: let me ask you, do you feel like you're subsidized in any area right now?
0: Not really, but...
1: Good. You've answered the question. There are no real subsidies here. We have to be honest with ourselves. There are no real subsidies in Nigeria. You mentioned that there are reports. There are no reports. You came to work today. You are seeing full scarcity. There are queues in the filling stations. We had queues in Abuja for the last four or five months. It's our reality. There are no subsidies. What you pay for fuel in Lagos is not what they pay in Abia or Eboi or in the Far North. There are no real subsidies. We have people who just, are just sharing this money. When Jonathan, the uh, President, Jonathan was there, they said they were going to remove subsidies, so they put the money into social infrastructure. They brought brought in a number of buses and what have you, what happened to that? 2022, our states don't have any proper mass transit system. If you take off the subsidies and you say you need to reinvest the money, reinvest the money in social infrastructure that, that helps the masses. We have to understand that these people don't mean us well. We have to go beyond the lingo they keep on using and understand that we're being hoodwinked. They and night we're being hoodwinked. There are no subsidies. They are not doing you any favor. The electricity, they say that, oh, it's being subsidized, that some people are paying less and some people are paying more and what have you. The poor people cannot even afford the electricity and they are not even getting what they are even paying for. These guys have no clue. We
0: need to wake up and realize that we're all being hoodwinked. I'm sorry, but I have to interrupt at this point and ask you. Because those who are listening to you will wonder, of course, having listened to you and uh, they'll say, oh, quite a lot of what you're saying makes a lot of sense. But it has political and other implications. One, two, um, I've read it on social media. It's been said that you are related to one of those who used to be top in government and that therefore uh, you, you should have a better understanding of the challenges they face than most people and you shouldn't be so hard on them uh, for some of the difficulties that have being encountered particularly in the case of this petroleum subsidies and the other subsidies. So I ask you, is it that you don't have that understanding or what you were told doesn't make sense? What are the difficulties?
1: They were going to take out subsidy, and they said the president's body language suggested that, oh, it's a pact he had with the masses that he won't take out subsidy. When the president came in, how much was petroleum? How much is petroleum today? When he came in, how much was diesel? How much is diesel today? We have to be realistic.
0: We had an argument over how much diesel was, because what people saw as the price on Friday uh, has moved uh, on Monday, so there was that argument also. But Um, even
1: at that, you have a huge... Astronomical difference in the price of diesel. What are we talking about? Facts are facts. Reality is staring us in the face. Take out subsidy or not take out subsidy? Take out the subsidy because it's not benefiting anybody. We are dealing with paying 800 naira for a litre of diesel already. If you take out this money, because under the guise of subsidy, People are making billions of naira. Nigerians are
0: suffering. So you would take out all subsidies I, I will, and allow the
1: out? I, I will take out all subsidies. I will reinvest that money into social infrastructure. We need to support the poor people. We need to support the poor people in Nigeria. Subsidies only benefit the rich, those who are making money from this bogus system. I'll take out the subsidies immediately.
0: How about unemployment? Let me, uh, le, le, because part of the argument is that those subsidies enable some of those who benefit, quote-unquote, to provide jobs. So if you take out the subsidies, those people will be left with no safety nets, and many of the businesses they are currently invested in would not be viable. How? how that the, is the argument.
1: What, what subsidy am I getting as a businessman that is enabling me to provide jobs? Those who benefit from the subsidies are the briefcase billionaires who are getting allocations and what have you to make money from this process. Other businesses, Nigerians don't benefit from this subsidy. We're paying the real cost of the failure of the system and what we pay the pump price we're paying. So we're not getting the benefit of the subsidy. If you take out that subsidy, so what will the trillions we talk about, if you take out that money and invest in a mass transit system or mass transit systems in all the states, and people are paying a subsidized fee for that mass transit system, you already know where the money is going to. Because the people are using buses, whereas if they had to pay 500 naira for a trip and they're paying 50 naira, you can see the subsidy is real. But in this case, the subsidy is not real because you're not seeing it. We have to give real subsidies. If we have a train, for example, we have trains that are going, some people said they're going from Lagos to um, Abiokuta and what have you in trains right now. Those are subsidized, right? The cost is subsidized. So I've seen that as a real subsidy. But this fuel subsidy is not a real subsidy. We need to take out that money and put that money into social infrastructure. What will I do with that money? I'll have mass transit system, right? I will have industrial parks. With industrial parks, you have industrial park clusters that benefit different people. So let's say, for example, you're in the media business. I'll have an industrial park where you have support systems for everything surrounding media. So if you want to start a business, you don't have to go and pay 15, 20 million naira for rent. You can come to this place where you're paying 70,000, 80,000 naira per month. And every infrastructure that you need to support your business is also there. So the, your cost, your takeoff cost is reduced same for farming same for any business that's what all industrialized nations have done you need to help people start if 40 million nigerians are working who are not working right now and the government is getting five thousand every month as taxes from 40 million nigerians is government not benefiting they are not smart every government in the world tries to get people back on their feet so that they benefit. That's you investing in a business. You are investing in me as a business. That's what the government must do. But the government does not do that. The government puts you down and still takes from you. They're killing these people. Now these youths that they are doing this to you, saw what happened with NSAS. NSAS is just child's play, just preparation for the big day that is likely to come. People stay two, three days now and don't eat. People wake up hopeless, helpless, dejected, depressed, not having any solution to their problems. We think they are not real because tell you what you woke up today you came to work. You and I are here. You are able to afford to come here today. We are here. But this is not the story of the majority. We don't care about the majority. We don't care about the masses. We abuse them. So when you see a situation where you see politicians, they are out there, and you see people, they are hailing them, you see the, the, the mob, after them, they believe that, oh, you know what, they still love us. Tell you what, they are mocking you, they are playing with you. The day is coming. These people, they will eat the rich. The innocent, you're driving to work, you're in a a car that is not even so nice, but because you're in a car, they will attack you. That day is coming to Nigeria. We can't continue, continue doing this. Millions Tens of millions are starving in Nigeria. They see the wanton waste in Nigeria. They see that their government doesn't care. D-Day is coming. We need to do something different very soon, very fast in Nigeria. We need to take care of the unemployed, of the underemployed. We need to take care of the minds of people. Their minds are abused. That's why people kill at will now. A nation where people are selling human parts, They're selling body parts as a thriving business where people are desperate enough to go and see the native doctors and what have you just to survive what does that tell you about who we are as a people we've degenerated we need to do something about this i'm not running for office it's not just politics we've seen politics for too long when i leave my business leave what i'm doing say you know what i need to save i need to lead a a rescue mission for people for like minds to come and save our nation it's because I know I'm threatened. My family were all threatened. This is the situation. You are threatened. You know that every day you come to work, you know you're threatened. You see what happens out there. But we are, t- we are too afraid to speak. We're a nation where a lot of people even, when people don't talk to you and talk on WhatsApp, I don't want people, I don't want them to listen. We're afraid of our governments. Do you know what's happening in the North? They knew the Northern region was burning. They knew they were in a dire situation. They were afraid to speak because there are people, their leaders who say, oh, don't, don't speak. It's our president. They said that to themselves. Then what, what has happened now? I grew up in Kano, go and see what's happening there. Northwest Nigeria, gone. Northeast Nigeria, gone. Southeast Nigeria, gone. You had people, leaders from Southeast talking about zoning, our turn, our, our, turn, our time. Leaders from there coming to Abu Dhabi talking about zoning. The place is gone, the economy decimated. People are being killed every day, unknown government, what have you. They are not able to hold the place together, and yet they're talking about zoning. We keep on using words that divide us as a people, instead of words that positively enrich us and bring us together as a people. We are tired of politicians. We are tired of these people. You and I need to come together to save our nation. It's no
0: longer politics. We can't afford, we can't afford these people anymore. They need to go. Let me ask you this, though. A lot of people who will be listening to you who have no idea, uh, what you are maybe listening to you and be saying, okay, he doesn't sound very much like a politician. Uh, so introduce yourself. I am an ordinary Nigerian
1: like you. I'm just an ordinary Nigerian, struggling to survive in a difficult country, in a, a country that has failed me woefully. For the five,
0: to, you've talked so far for, now that you, for the, you, for, you for, grew for, up in Kano. For you the, lived in Kano. For the
1: my my late father was a federal high court judge, so moved around quite a bit. So I had my primary school in Kano before we came to Lagos. The nation I grew up in is not the nation I know today. Growing up in Kano, I lived on Bombay Road. You come out and you had the farmer's market there. The people who leave their wares for 4 30 and close, they just come by with, with nylon and go home. Nobody will steal, nobody will touch it. You can't try that today. Last time I was in Kano, I saw, I was driving from the airport, I saw this, what I didn't even realize it was a human being. So there was someone side of the road kicked with flies a woman and child selling with a basket of to- tomatoes kicked with flies doesn't so I put i realized that this is a human being so many flies on her she didn't even have the strength to swat away the flies tomatoes had been kicked by the heat this is the reality of our people if we don't save our people if we don't save ourselves from these people nobody will save us
0: which is why I'm asking you about your plans So, and which to is why, join this.
1: Yes. So I've told you about my plans. My plan, I'm leading a rescue mission of like-minded people, of Nigerians who are fed up of the status quo. We have people everywhere who are willing to work hard, who are working hard every day. They're not getting results because it seems like their country is working against them. Their government is working against them. We have to come together to save Nigeria. Nigeria should have world-class infrastructure in the year 2022. We have nothing. We have absolutely nothing
0: there'll be those who argue with you that that's not true that it's not that we have nothing it's that what we have is not enough because our population is growing exponentially and we're playing catch-up all the time we have
1: nothing i just drove to channel studio this is the studio of a major news organization a government that thrives on doing the right thing People in government come here every day to be interviewed by you. They pass this road all the time. They don't think. They pass this road all the time. They pass this community all the time. They don't think. Listen, I'm not here to play politics. I'm not here to deceive what doing bring the people We have to call it and say it as it is. Nigeria is not working nigeria is not working we can not deceive ourselves and say you know what we have some we have absolutely nothing nigeria has what it takes to be the greatest nation on earth we have the people we have the human resources we have talented young men and women everywhere we're a country that demotes meritocracy and promotes mediocrity
0: what is that why do you think that is so because it, we certainly are not doing it Unconsciously. We've been doing it for quite a while, if that is correct. Correct. But why why are we doing this? Tell me. Why are we doing it? I'm asking you Because, because you are in a position to know. As long as we keep on
1: putting people into office because we feel they look like us, they speak our language, they will get there and promote mediocrity they will always demote meritocracy. We always say this, that when you get enter a plane, you don't care who's flying you. You enter doctor's office, you don't care who who the doctor is. You care that doctor does a competent job. That's what we ought to be doing now.
0: Going forward now, between now and the election in February next year, you're gonna have a tall task because as you mentioned earlier on in the interview, um, changing any system, either from the outside or even from the inside, requires a plan, a detailed plan, and it requires resources, both human and material. And many in your position start off from the disadvantage that uh, these resources, whichever they are, are not plentiful enough to immediately activate and put all this, except other people come together. Uh, We have seen this attempt in the past. In 2019, there was an attempt of like mind, some people even called it the third force, to say, look, let's see if we can put an alternative uh, together to these others. It founded on the basis of ego, on the basis of differences in opinion about what priorities should be, uh, about ethnic and religious sentiments. So people listening to you today will ask the question, why should they think that this one is going to be different. What arrangements do you have mentally and possibly in a plan to see that all the like minds you have spent a great deal of this interview talking about and about how grim the situation is that this must happen now, otherwise there may be no further opportunities beyond that will
1: happen. It's very simple. So missions like this have always floundered, right? Because there's never been a vision. We've never had a government that's come and had a clear vision that unites all Nigerians. People rally around a vision. That's the biggest mistake we're making in Nigeria. There's no vision. The vision unites the people. The vision gives them purpose. The vision gives them passion to pursue that purpose. What's the vision? So where there's never been a, a vision, we cannot have provision. What's the vision of ADC? It's a vision that says that Nigeria is one, one indivisible country. It's a vision that says that we are all equal before the law. There are no two laws for the rich and the mighty. It's a vision of shared prosperity for all. It's a vision that says the weak, the poor, the elderly will be supported. It's a vision that says that Nigeria it's a country deserving of world-class infrastructure. It's a vision that says we'll do everything as a nation to promote meritocracy. It's a vision that says that all Nigerians who are willing and able to work will be supported to work. It's a vision that says that we are one invisible nation united by a love of humanity. No tribe, no religion, no tongue is more Important than the other. It's a vision that says that our children, our children cannot be at home while two parties are contending endlessly. It's a vision that says our borders must be secure, our roads secure. It's a vision that says that I, as the president of Nigeria, will not sleep when my citizens are in kidnappers' dens. It's a vision that says that. The economy will work for all and not for some. It's a vision that says that our farmlands will feed the world, but feed us first of all. It's a vision that says no Nigerian should be hungry in the midst of plenty. Our vision is a vision that unites us all. It's a vision that's taken all our common problems and turned it around to the positive for us to unite ourselves. If we don't have a vision, we can never rally around anything. We'll have disparate missions. All good men and women who want the same, I believe we want the same. This is the opportunity to rally around this rescue mission. We can't afford to get it wrong in 2023. I am scared that we might not even make it to 2023 because people are struggling. As I move around, during this political disp- dispensation, you get to see more what is going on. The Nigerians are suffering. Nigerians are suffering and they don't have the voice to cry out. Nobody is championing their cause. Politicians, sadly, don't care. We owe it up to ourselves to start sounding this warning. Nigerians are suffering. Our president didn't hear this. People have lost loved ones. They are bitter. They are angry at society. It's there in them as we speak. Those who are hungry, in the, I live in Abuja. Every day I see young people roaming the streets aimlessly, looking for how to feed. Nobody looking out for them. Nobody championing their cause. Nobody cares about them. We're driving our big cars every to and fro from work. We don't care about these people. When they start killing, then we start screaming. We saw how people killed our security agents during Nsars. They didn't care that those people are also victims of a failed society. Well, a nationwide minimum is about 30,000 naira. 30,000 naira, less than $100. What's the cost of transportation? Every month. For the average person. For you was the cost of transportation. We're a nation that doesn't care. We cannot continue this. We are all affected. I pray that it never happens one day on your way back home, or you are not at work and you hear that your child has been affected. Two years ago, I believe two years ago, I was in, um, in the studio in my office um, with one of my workers when he got a call that his wife was hit on the, on the airport road. She was knocked down. We ran to the hospital, Federal Medical Center. I watched this young lady die. I watched the doctors, the medical professionals who were there, who were ill-equipped to do anything to save their life. And after a while you see that they have become so desensitized, nobody cares for them. As at that point time, they had not been paid for three, four months. The hospital was full. I watched this young man watch his wife die because Nigeria failed her and failed him. He now has to bring up a child, a daughter, by himself. His story is not unique. It's a story that is the norm across Nigeria. All our institutions, institutions have failed. We know it, we see it. We have talked for too long, we are tired of talking. We now choose to accept suffering as the normal in Nigeria. Though maybe Kachiko refuses to suffer anymore. I choose to speak, I choose to fight. I choose to stand to be counted. I won't accept this anymore. My first communication with the National Assembly when I'm sworn as President of Nigeria is to send a bill that's called the Nigerian Patriot Act. It's a bill that says if you're in public service, your family members must use, must use public hospitals, public schools. If you travel within Nigeria, unless it's an emergency, you travel by road so you can experience our beautiful roads. Your children, your family must use the same infrastructure, same facilities the common man uses. You won't have a borehole in your house. You must use water, there's water, you use the water. You won't have a generator in your house. We must all share equally in our problems so that jointly we can solve our problems. If we don't, we'll continue perpetuating this gap between the rich and the poor. We can't continue, can't afford this. Electricity is not nuclear science, generating, distributing, or transmitting electricity, is not nuclear science. The problem is that those who are there don't care because it's only the poor that are suffering. We have to make sure that we all care because we're all suffering our problems. So if you're the director of a company that your operations derive from a license issued by government, you are also affected by this law. So tell you what guys, if you know that you don't like this, don't vote for me. But if you be- believe that this works for you, that this will help Nigeria, support my campaign, join the rescue mission, let's take our country back or we can't afford this anymore.
0: Tomini Kachiku, thank you very much for your time. Thank you for having me. That's our program today. We would, of course, like to hear from you on The Conversation. Our social media handles are right there on your screen. You can also listen to this and previous episodes of the program via our podcast. Please visit our website, channelstv.com forward slash podcast to get started. I am Ladi Akiri Duluali. Goodbye.